You are listening to the Golden Voice Podcast, and I'm your host, Jarvis Smith. We're back for episode eight of the Golden Voice Podcast, and it always feels good to tap in with you again. And if you're new to the Golden Voice Podcast, I want to say thank you for giving us a little bit of your time, and I hope you check out our previous episodes featuring Sleigh Bells, Cam Girl, Uffy, Sizzy Rocket, Yell, Jameson, and Brick. Now, like always, I'm going to check in with you during the outro, but I want to jump into this week's episode and today's special guest. Because today, we're speaking to a guest who started her career in broadcast journalism in Southern California and the Coachella Valley covering major news, film, entertainment, and art events in the area, including Golden Voice's very own Coachella, Stagecoach, and more music festivals. In addition, today's guest will become the youngest honoree of the Palm Springs Walk of Stars in 2017 for her charity and humanitarian work. If that wasn't enough, in the spring of this year, today's guest won the LA Press Club Award for her hosting work at the Oscars for LA's premier news network, Spectrum News One. If you don't know who I'm talking about, it's LA's rising journalist, humanitarian, and media personality, Bianca Ray. And on today's episode of the Golden Voice Podcast, Bianca comes here and reflects on growing up in the Chicagoland area, getting started in broadcast journalism, her favorite Golden Voice Festival, and so much more. So let's go ahead and get this conversation started. Bianca, if you don't mind, please take it away. Uh, well, hello, my fellow uh, Chicagoan. And yes, not only in the same city did we grow up in, but the same high school, the same yeah. graduating class yeah, in high yeah, school. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. It doesn't get a little bit more uh, closer to home than that. And it's, it's so great to connect with you. And, and thank you for having me on this on this podcast. Gosh, I mean, my, my childhood, I have such wonderful memories, Jarvis. And it's funny, as I'm now, you know, an adult woman, there are memories that I'm starting to get excited to implement in my own children's life someday when I have kids, you know, but I mean, yeah, I'm from small suburb of Chicago. Like we said, Payless Park is where my family is a big Greek Italian family. And my mom and dad have been married for 35 years, I guess 36 now. And yeah, it's just, we grew up with so much love and being together so much. My sister as well. I have an older sister. So we call ourselves the core four mom, dad, Alexa, Bianca. We actually have a group text, um, called the core four (laughs) where we do text every day. And, um, mostly it's my mom, my sister and I, and then my dad with the like one word answers, you know, it's, it's very cute, but no, I mean, we did, we did, you know, family vacations and so much family, you know, barbecues, because again, Greek and Italian, there's always food involved. So there's, it seems like every Sunday there was a family party for something, you know, whether it was a cousin's graduation or a christening or somebody's birthday party or even just mom made pasta, come on over. It was, uh, I, I just have wonderful memories of, of togetherness and um, I feel really grateful. It's, it's interesting, like I said, as an adult too, I'm learning how important it is, how much your childhood shapes you into the person you are. And I will say just within the last, I don't know, you know, year or two where you start really doing a lot of growth. And I mean, at least this is where it hit me in my age, in my early 30s, a lot of self-reflection and growth and realizing I am the person I am because of of my family life, to be honest. Sticking to your to your childhood here, you know, we're a music podcast over here. So I'm kind of curious to know what type of music were you listening to throughout your teenage years? Oh my gosh. So this is so random and not what you're going to expect to hear. But so my dad owned a nightclub. I don't know if some people know that in my life. My dad owned a nightclub and we grew up like, you know, on Sundays when it was closed, we'd have family parties there or 
my mom worked the coat room. She checked coats. And sometimes like us kids would go with her, even when it was open. That's crazy to say. But long story short, I loved disco. (laughs) And I mean, it's so funny. I mean, so much so that my 25th birthday, I did a Studio 54 themed um, party because I just loved that era of music. And I'd say so a combination of disco and then also 90s dance, like think LaBouche, you know, LaBouche. (laughs) I mean, I just, that was music that, I mean, now I... I love country and more, you know, more pop and everything. And I mean, still love that music for sure. But I, that is what I remember. Like my mom jamming to burn, baby, burn disco inferno in our car. (laughs) And it was the best. And I, I loved it. Yeah. (laughs) Amazing. Amazing. Is it, is, is the nightclub, I know you said your father used to own it, but is it kind of like something that he still kind of looks back on the fondly or is it just something that is just kind of like, you know, photos and stuff like that of that of that time in your in your in your family's life? So my family still owns it, actually. Oh, wow. And yeah, so it was my my grandfather came his Papu. Um, we call him Papu in Greek. He came from Greece. Uh, to America and created this. It started as a hot dog stand restaurant turned nightclub, which was eventually our our family's business um, that my dad and his brother both run. But um, yeah, so I mean, it was in our family our whole lives growing up. It was a huge, huge, I mean, largest dance floor in like the Southern, like the Southland area and Chicago area. It was um, in Summit is the city in Summit. And they've since downsized a bit. And actually now this year, they're going to be selling, they're selling it. Because my parents are going to be retiring to Palm Springs. Breaking news really? on your podcast. Amazing. Yes. <laughs> That's amazing. Yes. So it's been a wonderful, we've been very grateful. It's been our, um, it's given us wonderful a wonderful life um, that my grandfather created for all of us. Um, so and as I'm saying that, I'm sitting here looking at a picture of my papu. Um, he, he actually passed away during the pandemic. He did get COVID. He was 90. Um, and he was the patriarch of our family. Yes. So it's, um, but he lives on in, in so many of us in so many ways and, Yes, the the nightclub Studio sixty three. It was called, or it is called, is um. We obviously always thank him for what he created for our family. You know, now I'm kind of curious to know about your interest and your journey in particular into journalism. Just from just from hearing you talk about your childhood and just you know, it would seem like you know, like it would make sense to go into the, like the family business almost based on your 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 family history here. But you know, you got into journalism, and I'm kind of curious to know, you know, what was that starting point uh, for your career in broadcast journalism? When did that, or, or more in particular, when did that interest begin to peak into that career into broadcast journalism? Sure. Well, I mean, first off, it we, we don't have anybody in our family who are in the arts, so to speak. You know, everyone, we have obviously my dad and his brother who do the, the nightclub. I have another uncle who's an attorney. I mean, it was, we don't have any, I mean, I don't know anyone. I didn't know anybody in LA or California. We didn't have any connection to that world. So that definitely wasn't on my radar in that regard. But what I remember as a child and up until high school was, I look back now and I think, wow, I had so many characteristics that were characteristic of a future journalist, things that I did and things that I was good at and um, just different things about me that were definitely a journalist in the making, you know, including but not limited to just always being so curious. I mean, teachers tell me I was always the student that was like, why? But why? But why? But really why? Tell me, you know? And um, I mean, just always being social, really being inclusive of people and wanting to hear people's stories and give them a chance to hear their story. I mean, I, I do remember doing that on the playground, like sitting down and people were just like talking. And I, I loved, I loved giving people a chance to hear their story and kind of digesting it for them. But it was in high school actually that 
my principal at school told me you should look at the University of Missouri because it's this broadcast journalism school. Hold on, let me backtrack one little thing. Yeah. It was it was that same year that was sophomore year of high school where that same principal said I should get in the youth and government program. And this was a program where it was a mock a mock government, right? There was somebody running for governor and legislature, and then there was media who would be reporting on this mock government that was happening. So we all went to Springfield for a weekend and we're staying in this big hotel and there was an election happening, a mock election. And I auditioned to be a member of the media who would be basically when you turn on your hotel TV in every hotel room, they were telling you like a constant update of this little election. So I was chosen to be an anchor. And I remember being told that I was the youngest person to chosen to be an anchor. So I was like, wow, that must mean I'm good at this. Like that was my first thought of, okay, I must be good at this thing called anchoring media. And then I loved it. I loved that, A, I I loved the performance value of it. I did. I always loved being on stage and I did plays. I did all of that. But more than just the performance of it, I enjoyed that, wow, I was, you know, up on this, this platform that people were turning on to see me, come to me for this big information. And I felt, I felt really impactful, like that I was making a difference. And I loved that I love that feeling. I remember it was just this dual feeling of not only do I get to, I don't know if it's right brain, left brain, I get to, you know, be creative and artistic and performance, if you will. And then I also get to be this respected figure where I'm actually making a difference, presenting really important news to people. So that was that weekend introduced me to media. I loved it. Talked to my principal a little bit more. I was always very close. Um, I was like a principal's aide or whatever it was called. And then he told me, you should look at the University of Missouri. They have a very unique broadcast journalism school. Many places have TV stations that air to kids in your, on your TV campus, but Mizzou was unique in the fact that it had an actual NBC affiliate on campus. So when we were college kids, I, my class was to be on television in front of real mid-Missourians. I actually always think, these poor people that live in mid-Missouri have to watch college kids <laughs> on their TV station, but we were the NBC. I mean, that was a great contract they had with our school where actual college students got to work at this NBC affiliate. And we made our, they called it our first job mistakes in college. And that was called the Missouri method. And that really set me up because after that, I just, everybody in the industry was like, wow, you went to Mizzou. Wow. You went to Mizzou. Like it just really resonated my education. And then I did internships in LA during college. And that, um, that was amazing getting to intern at TV stations out in Los Angeles. I'm kind of curious to know too, you know, sticking to your beginnings is, you know, were there any challenges or hardships, you know, in, in getting your start? Well, I mean, first off, the thing that I remember mostly is that I was, I was never your traditional news anchor. And I mean, I guess I'm still not. So that's <laughs> very apropos that it started in college. But I mean, it was an insecurity earlier on because, you know, there were, there were people that were very, you know, poised and polished and professional and they were the blazers and I just, I don't know. I always, I wore bright lipstick and I wore pink, pink colors and big hoop earrings. And I mean, sure. In retrospect, I mean, or or now I could say, yes, you want to look poised, polished, professional on television. I could completely, you know, see that. (laughs) Um, But A, I, I think it is okay to be a little bit different. And interestingly, my news director in, in college at our, at KOMU, the TV station, I mean, God love him for always letting me be go to march to the beat of my own drum. I mean, he never tried to 
tell me to, to change my, change this or change that. I mean, he kind of let me be a little quirky and different. And I actually always liked entertainment. And I mean, we're in Missouri, right? There's not a lot of that. And that seemed very far away. And honestly, like most of the people in our and journalism program wanted to get into sports or news. And then there was me, me, maybe, I don't remember very many other people. I mean, there might've been one other girl that was interested in it, but so because I needed to practice entertainment and there was no entertainment, literally my news director would have me, he would let me stay later and like write my own headlines. Like Taylor Swift is, you know, I mean, they would be real headlines, but I would write things that are happening in the entertainment world. And he would like, let me off hours record on air news that normally I would not get to do at a TV station in Missouri. You know what I mean? So I needed a reel showing me on television, talking about entertainment. Since I couldn't do that actually on the news, he let me do it when the TV station was like off the air, you know? And just like amazing things like that, that, I mean, yeah, but that was an insecurity that I felt like I never really, you know, fit in. It turned out to be a blessing because I mean, truly there's, there's already a Katie Couric, there's already a Julianne Rancic. I don't, I want to be Bianca Ray, you know? I mean, there's already one of everyone else. So it kind of works out that I was different because <laughs> I couldn't be like anyone else. Um, but I would say like a struggle as far as starting into the career than when I started the first few years. And I mean, I don't know, sometimes struggle looks like all different ways, but something that was hard for me, I mean, there's a lot of sacrifice that goes into this career. Um, I, I left my family and I mean, just because I did it boldly and had this great job and, you know, it doesn't mean that it wasn't hard. And I don't know if a lot of people know that, but I mean, most of my friends, everyone, you know, friends from home went to college at U of I, right? That's where a lot of kids went. I left to go to Missouri. That was scary. Um, then after college, a lot of my friends stayed in like St. Louis, Kansas city area. That's where a lot of, you know, Missouri people are from. I went to California. That was scary. Again, I'm not complaining or knocking it. It was life-changing and the best thing that could have ever happened to me, but it was scary, um, you know, and I worked weekends for, I'd say, you know, the first three, four or five years of, of my job, like missing Christmases. And those are, so when you ask about challenges, those were, you know, honestly, I do remember some many Christmases crying with my mom on the phone being like, I'm heading into work, but you know, and she's, I hear the music playing in the background and she's about to have the whole family over and I'm headed into work. Um, it was, that's hard. Right. And I was a kid still technically, I mean, but so it was, I would say that definitely, uh, gave me some character and that's something that I think we'll get into this in a bit, but you know, when you ask what it takes to get through this career, I know a lot of people who dropped off in those first few years to go into PR or marketing, again, amazing jobs, you know, probably making more money. <laughs> um, but it's nine to five, Monday through Friday, no holidays. They wanted that, right? And and honestly, I feel grateful now I have that, but it took me 10 years in the industry to work Monday through Friday and get to have Christmases off. That was not like that in the beginning. So kind of if you stick it out, you can get there, but it's hard the first few years for sure. Absolutely, yeah. And you know what, just sticking to that point too, you know, I've, I've often heard people coming from like the broadcast area in particular, like maybe radio broadcast, for instance, there's this thing where you have to leave the Midwest in order to kind of get the career experience that you need to get. And then if you if you have a goal of working in the Midwest, maybe like a Chicago market or whatever, or the bigger markets, then you can kind of branch off, but you have to kind of veer out of your initial area. And that can be challenging. Like not everybody necessarily thinks about that part when they get into the respective field, whether it be uh, broadcast or radio, et cetera. 
that they may have to go branch out and go do some oddball type of, uh, you know, positions or smaller positions or whatever and work those holidays, work those, you know, type of Monday through Saturday. Carry your own camera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, be out. I mean, and it's it's interesting because people who meet me now or see me on Spectrum for the first time or, you know, people who come into your life within the last couple of years – they didn't know all of that or they don't know all of that and they just see this. So I think it's so important to talk about that. Um, A, because anybody who wants to get in this industry should know. And B, because I think I very much, I, I feel proud to say I feel like I've earned where I am at right now. And if you don't know the backstory, you don't know that, right? Um, and I, that's, there's a lot of hard work that goes into it. And it's, but, but the funny thing is, you love it. I mean, I never remember not liking it. <laughs> I mean, you know, even though, yeah, I'd cry, it would be Christmas. And then I'd go out and I'd do my story. And I, I'm telling you, I mean, I just got chills thinking about this. One of the top like five memories of my life experiences was working this Christmas where what we would do is we would go out with the police officers in Indio, the East Valley, to mobile home parks and distribute Christmas presents to families who had nothing. And we would film these police officers giving them presents. And I mean, Jarvis, it was, it was the most beautiful experience. And, and then, and my friend Steven, who's now a photographer at a TV station in LA, but he was my photographer then because we did get a photographer on Christmas, which was nice. But we would be invited these homes. These families would say like, do you want some tamales? Cause you're not with your families. I mean, these are people Jarvis who had nothing and they were offering, they, they felt, you could tell they thought that they had everything because you know what they did. They did. They were with their family. They were happy. They had their health. And amen, that's really what's important, isn't it? Um, and they were just so proud and happy to offer us tamales for, for Christmas, you know, lunch. And we sat there and it was, I get emotional thinking about it. You know, it was just, yeah. it shows you it's really important. And it's funny that working Christmas, what started off to be a day of crying, like, I can't believe I'm working Christmas, turned into being truly one of the top five meaningful experiences, you know, that I've. I've been taught through my career. And I'm kind of curious to know, too, before you got the Spectrum News, you mm-hmm. had a stint at KESQ. <laughs> I'm just curious An to know. An eight-year stint. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so how was that experience like for you out there? Because essentially that's where I first remember uh, encountering your work um, out there in the desert of uh, Coachella Valley. Oh, I loved it. And I'm, I'm so grateful for KESQ and my time in Palm Springs. My goodness. I mean, I moved out there when I was 22. It was my first job out of college. And like I said, you know, roving weekend reporter covering everything from triple homicides to fires to museum grand openings to groundbreakings to city council meetings. And then I was eventually promoted to weekend anchor and then ultimately the morning anchor spot um, where I was the last three, three and a half years. But um, it was it was just wonderful. I mean, you know, you go into you go out of college to a new market. Most people stay two or three years. And I stayed eight and I, I loved it. I mean, I, I stayed because A, the station was good to me. They kept promoting me and I kept feeling challenged and having so much growth. B, I completely immersed myself and invested myself in the community. And I mean, I remember, I actually remember a couple of years in maybe I met another reporter from another station who made a comment like, oh gosh, I'm not going to get involved in any organizations. Like I'm out of here in two years. And I mean, that's one school of thought, you know, but that was not mine. And I just, I joined boards and I started my own nonprofit and I emceed events. I did career days. I mean, I, I I truly loved it. And I mean, it's interesting. People ask me now, what do you like better, LA or Palm Springs? And that's, it's it's like asking like, which kid do you like better? (laughs) I mean, you can't choose. They're just, 
I loved, I loved Palm Springs for that time in my life. Like that was completely where I was supposed to be. And now this is completely where I'm supposed to be. I love Los Angeles at this time in my life. And I loved them both for different reasons. And it was, there were things that I was able to do in Palm Springs that completely set me apart. And that's why I stayed there for eight years instead of jumping around to other markets. Like you mentioned, I got to cover the Palm Springs International Film Festival and interview, as you know, you know, major A-list celebrities, which you don't get to do when you're 24, 25, 26. And then now there's things that I'm able to do in, in LA that I, I would not have been able to do there that are just completely growing my career and growing my craft and my, my broadcast muscles. So just so, so grateful. That time was special. I mean, and one more thing, it's funny when I, when I moved, people were like, wait, isn't, isn't Palm Springs like for older people? Like you're 22. I was 22 Jarvis <laughs> when I moved. But I mean, A, I am completely an old soul. I mean, I never was, I mean, look, I like a Friday night dancing with the girls as much as the next gal, but I, it's interesting. I was recently telling this to someone that as a 20 year old, my twenties were spent going to galas and through Palm Springs, you know, through the life out there, fundraiser events. And, and I mean, that's not what you typically do in your twenties. Right. But I just, that was perfect for me. Like, I didn't want to be like clubbing, you know, or this or that or the other. I just, I, I, I grew up very fast, if you will. And I was already, I'd say an old soul, but you know, I, so many of my friends are 50 and up because that's who I connect with. And those are people that I feel like understand me. And I would be, you know, plus ones to girlfriends in their fifties who would take me as their plus one to charity events. And, um, yeah, just that's kind of, that kind of stuff just changed my life. And I, I really think also helped, helped shape me and help me be really mature and responsible. And I just so grateful for the people that have, you know, really guided me. Absolutely. Yeah. No, no, no. I mean, I think that it, Palm Springs, from all my experiences working splash houses out there and Coachella's, mm -hmm. it is not a bad place to be. No, I don't, and I don't it's know. not boring. It's not <laughs> no, old. It's that not. was the second part. Like, for <laughs> no. those who think it is old, it's not old. <laughs> no, no, no. It's an awesome place to be. I have nothing but love for, for the entire yes. Coachella Valley, Riverside County, Indio, mm -hmm. everyone out there. Mm -hmm. we, we love going out there. I love being out there. Definitely. Put me yes. out there for a month, two months. I'll, I'll put a smile on my face. I'll be there. Yes. <laughs> you know, so, so now I'm. I'm curious now, focusing on your work now at Spectrum News, you know, how is it covering the entertainment industry in LA? I feel like you kind of just talked about it's a little tough to decide between Palm Springs and LA, but just thinking about everything that you've been doing now with, you know, you're, you're covering Emmys, you're covering the Oscars, and, and just so many different you know, premieres that you're doing, et cetera. Like, what is it like being in the, the epicenter of entertainment? It is completely thrilling and amazing and a dream. I mean, I've I wanted to live in Los Angeles and cover entertainment for as long as I can remember. I mean, truly, you know, so um, it's, it's very special. So coming here though, you know, a little tidbit, A, I, I completely was so excited to come to Los Angeles. I mean, it was hands down my agent and I, we were, you know, that was our life, our focus, like really trying to make this happen. But it's interesting. I remember saying to her, like, I don't want to just go and be one in a million. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of girls covering entertainment in LA. I mean, there just are, right? And most people do it, I will say, you know, a lot of people do it the same way, like the way that it always has been done, I guess, or, you know, just the way that they see it being done. And it was so important to me to be different. I mean, that's always been important to me. And I feel like I had a lot to bring to the entertainment table, if you will, that was different. So I was so 
set on making sure I had an employer who saw that in me and would let me shine in a different way. And here I get hired by Spectrum, just been a dream. I mean, it's interesting because first I was hired as their Orange County-based reporter. So I moved from Palm Springs to Orange County. I had a a two-year contract to be an Orange County-based reporter there. And then about like seven months in, I actually got promoted to the evening anchor spot, which was just surreal. I remember the day that my boss told me I'm just crying in his office, you know, (laughs) it's like, oh my gosh. And I remember first thing, literally, I said to him, does this mean I could move to LA? (laughs) Because I mean, I love Orange County. I love Orange County. My boyfriend lives there. I mean, it is just the most beautiful place to raise a family. I mean, just a dream place to be. But for my career, where I'm at right now, I wanted to be in LA, you know, and I want to be in LA and this is where I am. So, but I remember being like, does this mean I get to move to LA? He's like, start looking for an apartment, you know? So it was so cute. But no, so then I, now I'm, I, I anchored the evening news Monday through Friday. It's called Your Evening. It's at five and six o'clock. We have a wonderful uh, cast of, of anchors here. I love our, our little group here, our family. And in addition to that, though, like you said, I do our entertainment coverage. So I got to go. It's funny. I mean, because of the pandemic, I didn't get, well, obviously we didn't do it this year. So last year was my first year doing it. Um, and hopefully we'll get back to that again someday. But last year, 20, I guess it was 2020 before the pandemic, I got to be on all the red carpets covering, you know, the Oscars, the Grammys, the Golden Globes and the SAG Awards and still the Palm Springs Film Festival, which was so special that I still got to go back there in this capacity, though, you know. So, yes, to answer your question, it is completely invigorating and exciting. And I mean, being on a red carpet, being in Los Angeles, surrounded by every major entertainment network and and knowing that you're, you're a part of that is so exciting and I will say, I also just feel most proud that I'm able to do it in a different way. I, I focus a lot on celebrities' charitable work. I actually have a series called Passion Project, where I solely ask them about their philanthropic work. So I interview celebrities who have their own nonprofits. I Some highlights for me, gosh, I did um, I did a Passion Project with Matthew McConaughey last yeah, month. Yeah, that's a good one. Yes, yeah, yeah, he yeah. has a nonprofit. Um, Sean Penn and his work out in, in December. I was out at a COVID testing site with him. and. Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's exciting to interview a celebrity. For me, it's most impactful when I get to ask them questions about the way that they're using their platform to make a difference because I, I do believe the messenger is just as important as the message and influences power. And I, I'm intrigued by the way that when so-and-so talks about a charity, their donations go up and volunteerism goes up. I mean, Jarvis, I get those testimonials from nonprofits that tell me, after you did this story with so-and-so celebrity, you know, at the helm, we got more donations. We got more volunteers. We got more awareness. So that's fascinating to me, and it's beautiful. Yeah, no, and that's very special to be in a position, too, where, you know, you're, you're in a position of, like, uh, in the sense of, like, inspiring, influencing, and, like, aiding towards conversation, especially being in the market like L.A. to kind of be in that position is really, really special. And I even like the story that you did with uh, the Warp Tour founder and former Golden yes. Voice alum, uh, Kevin Lyman here. Yes, sir. Uh, that was he a really, was so that was a really good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He the Future so Music Festival. So he's always has great insight. Shout out to Kevin he Lyman. He has amazing. Kevin, he was, he was very sweet, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes, amazing. So, you know, what? I just, just thinking about everything that you've done, you know, throughout your career, you know, I constantly want to think about just like the intangible skills that you're picking up on and just the things that you were able to get involved with. Because, again, you know, you, you've, you've been, you know, nominated 
nominated uh, and and featured on the uh, Palm Springs Walk of Fame. There, you know, you've you've gotten honoraries and, and awards, and you even were in, involved with the uh, what's the TV series? Um, LA Finest. You had a yes! cameo in that one as well. <laughs> I, I mean, come on, Jessica Alba, Gabrielle oh, Union. I saw that. So like, I I'm think about that was just as a, that was so exciting. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So I'm just like all these things that you, I, I think about what you said before. You're not a traditional journalist, so when I think about all that, I feel like. What do you feel like are those intangible skills that someone needs to be a successful in this industry? Maybe not just as a journalist, but just in this industry as a whole. What, what would you say from your experiences? I mean, the first thing that comes to mind, Jarvis, is just being so persistent. I mean, I remember, I remember in Missouri, literally sitting there in my my apartment and trying to get an internship in Los Angeles, and I googled broadcast journalism internships, and KTLA pops up. It's a TV station out here picked up the phone. I mean, it's so cute to think how, you know, I had this like a bit of, I've always been a bit naive and I I say that in a good way. I'm proud of that about me. I mean, I never, I never knew how big of an undertaking something was. I just did it. And I, I mean, I don't know who calls a TV station in Los Angeles from Missouri being like, hi there, my name is Bianca Ray. I'm interested in being an intern. I mean, I just, I'm like so proud of that girl. I, I just, I am when I think of that girl that did that. And I like cold called them, ended up doing um, a phone interview, and then they asked me to come out for an interview. Mom and I flew out, and they offered me the internship on the job. Um, The next summer, well, they invited me back, but I also wanted another internship like simultaneously with KTLA, so I cold reached out to E!, And I remember um, Rachel, we still are in touch now, she answered the phone, and she was like in charge of their internship program. And it's so funny, I... I think she asked me like one question, like, oh, you're, are you calling from Missouri? Something like that. And I subsequently gave like this five minute reply because at the very end, she's like, I mean, I don't have any more questions. (laughs) She's like, you just answered all my questions. That was amazing. It was just cute, you know? And so I, I, I don't know. I just, I remember never feeling like I wanted to take no for an answer. I was very, very persistent. And Um, I, I mentor a lot of younger people now who reach out to me and say they want to get into journalism. And I always share this story with them that in, in Palm Springs at KESQ, when I wanted to become that morning anchor, I mean, I had scheduled monthly meetings with our general manager. I mean, I would just, you know, just checking in, you know, how's that, how's that morning anchor position going? Like whenever, whenever so-and-so's contract's up, if they don't stay, like just always respectful, just like, Hey, if it ever is open, I just, please think of me. Like, I genuinely did that often. And I was just very, you know, just again, respectfully wanting to stay on the radar. And, and then in, you know, the pursuit to, to LA, I mean, I can't tell you how many no's we got no's from other TV stations in LA. Um, somebody telling me actually no from somebody in Dallas, which is market number four, Actually, um, also being told, oh, she needs to start in like, she needs to go to like a a middle market, like a market 30. You know, she can't make the jump from Palm Springs to LA. Like, I mean, that could be gutting, right? When you're, and it could deter you. And I just remember being like, you know, my agent asking, should we cast a wider net? And I said, no, stay focused on LA. I mean, it was just, I don't know. I mean, and throughout the whole career that thus far of those times that were hard, like I said, even you know, the first few, it is not just the first few years. I mean, I'm still, you're still working your butt off and there's still a lot of things that could motivate or make somebody want to leave the business as I've seen happen a lot. You know, like I said, I've seen a lot of friends leave 
and even five years in, even 10 years in and leave and go to other, other jobs because it is hard, right? It is hard waiting it out until you get to that dream job, if you will. And I just feel so grateful that I waited it out and I worked so hard and carried all the cameras and, and did all of that because this is always where I wanted to be. You know what I mean? Um, so I'd say just being, being persistent, not giving up on that end, end dream, end goal. And one more, I know you said two, but one more intangible is I'd say just to stay, just to stay authentic. I mean, so many of the, the best interviews that I've got were people saying to me that, you know, oh, we came to you because we felt that you like genuinely cared. Or, I mean, even I remember going back to when I was reporting in Missouri and there was this, this shooting that everybody was trying to get, I think the, the, um, it was like the parent, I believe. Mm. Um, gosh, such a heartbreaking story, but I think it was the parent and people were knocking on the door, knocking on the door. I remember I left a business card and I wrote a little note. I'm trying to remember what exactly, I'm, I'm sure it was something to the effect of like, I'm so sorry for your loss. If you ever, you know, want to share your story, let us know. Just, I don't know. That was just what I thought, what I felt. And she ended up calling me and giving me the interview because of that. So, and I mean, things like that and some variation have happened my whole career. So I, I don't know. I think, and, and the biggest compliment recently, I had a very important person in my life tell me that you don't have a shtick. She's like, don't lose that because we could tell when we watch you, you don't have a shtick. You're not trying to do this or that. And I don't know. I mean, I think, especially nowadays, Jarvis, people are very smart consumers. They they are very smart about where they get their news. They're, you know, the trust with media has probably never been worse. And just being, you know, an honest, authentic person when you're reading stories and not trying to sell something, not trying to have a shtick, if you will. I think that makes you watchable and more than watchable, likable and more than likable, relatable. And I guess that's the the goal, right? Yeah. No, that's fair. Just going to pick up on that. So it's just a very human element. That's something that, you know, just just be authentic, be yourself. You know, I think that's that's the key thing right there. And, and you know, I want to just backtrack just a little bit. You talked about when you spoke with different celebrities about their not-for-profits and stuff like that. But you have a not-for-profit of your own. You've done some humanitarian work as well for the Bianca Ray Foundation. And I'm just curious to know, you know, what inspired you to start that foundation of yours? It, it was the first few years in Palm Springs. I mean, so many, and I can give you one of the examples, but I mean, so many different things happened where I realized that I had this platform that people, you know, they, they looked up to me for some reason, right? I mean, you're on television. That is just what, in a small market, especially in a small town, people on TV are the people in the community that everyone does look up to and talks about. And I started volunteering at an animal shelter. I, I Right when I moved to the desert, I started volunteering. That's where I met my now dog, Jack. And it was after I adopted him that I wanted to raise money for this this very, you know, dilapidated old shelter. I paired up with a nonprofit because somebody told me you need this thing called a 501c3. I didn't know what that was at the time. Raised money for the shelter. And that just completely inspired me. I was like, wait, I, I could do this. I actually got, you know, 200 people to come to a luncheon. I was able to get donations for a silent and live auction. And it just dawned on me that I had the ability to, I don't know, somehow round up people, round up excitement among people and inspire people to donate or attend or what have you. And I read a lot of books. I took a lot of people for coffee. I read nonprofits for dummies and 10 other books and started my, the Bianca Ray foundation. And our mission has always been twofold children and animals to populations that are at the mercy of how we treat them. And 
that was kind of always the goal to be a voice for those two voiceless populations. So we, in the animal vertical, we organize adoption events. And of course, this was all pre-pandemic. Now everything's a bit different, but hopefully, fingers crossed for the end of this year, we're actually trying to get back to a little bit of the the pre-pandemic programming. But we organize adoption events and fund the transport of dogs and cats to the Oregon Humane Society, uh, no-kill shelters, to really help get them adopted in front of those kinds of eyes. And then our other vertical, young girls and boys, we have the annual Ray of Hope Retreat. And this is this is my my baby, um, where we it's an annual leadership retreat for middle school kids to come, and they come from all walks of life, from all the desert cities. We have about you know three, four, five hundred kids. We've varied in attendance and um, every year. So so far, we've had about two thousand kids attend Jarvis, and each breakout group is led by a different person of prominence, whether that is myself, a fellow news anchor, the female mayor, the high school quarterback of the football team. And we talk about anti-bullying and self-esteem building and leadership. And the whole premise of it is that, again, which is very, you know, parallel to what I'm doing here at Spectrum with my Passion Project series, but I've just always been fascinated by the power of influence. And I learned through through these retreats that it's like, wait, if their mom says something to them, it might not resonate. But if Bianca or the other news anchor that they look up to or the girl they see on TV says something for some reason... It just hits a little differently. I mean, right or wrong, but it does. And that was the model that we created. So every year we have hundreds of kids come to a big resort in Palm Springs, like I said, and they attend these different breakout groups and the the success stories from teachers and parents and counselors that we've heard um, have been profound, Jarvis. I mean, from kids who were suicidal to, you know, not attending class, um, we've, we've, we've learned from their school authorities and um, that there's just been so much growth that they've seen, if nothing else, from realizing that 400 kids are going through the same thing that they are. And I think that shared experience is so important and inspiring these kids, opening up their eyes to other paths. And that's really what we we try to do with this annual Ray of Hope retreat. Yeah, no, that's that's phenomenal. And I appreciate I even had the chance to speak at the Ray of Hope Connection, your online yes. platform. Very, Thank very you. thankful for that one. That has been a way that we've pivoted during the pandemic yes. as we've turned some of our content online. So thank you, yes, for contributing. Absolutely. That's one of the big things that we at Golden Voice value a lot, just contributing time and giving back in any way that we can, especially to, you know, people who are just trying to do something with their lives or just finding guidance in every way, in any way that we can contribute. So we definitely appreciate that there. And I'm glad that I can contribute. Absolutely. And, you know, just as you come now to our final two questions here, I have to ask, what's your favorite Golden Voice concert or festival to attend in Southern California? Drum roll. It is hands down Stagecoach. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> I yes. mean, I'm a Midwest girl, four years in Missouri. I mean, first boyfriend was a farmer. So country music is a very big part of my life. I, I just love it. And you know what? More than the music, it's just the atmosphere. I mean, just for those who have never attended, if I could just explain that it's, you know, eight o'clock at night, it is just perfect weather. There's a breeze going through the palm trees are just swaying. Everyone has blankets on the ground. There's, you know, Luke Bryan playing his hits. You're sitting there on the ground eating pizza. It's just the most, you know, I, I, it it is truly one of my happiest places. (laughs) And, and I love, I love country music. I mean, it has a way of expressing a message that I think other music doesn't and can't. And it's just pure and authentic. And I think country music is 
often focuses on the most important things in life, like having a good woman by your side and a cheap bottle of wine and a bucket of fried chicken. I mean, (laughs) what more do you, and you know, your baby sleeping in the room next door. It's like, it's just, it's so simple and it's just beautiful. And I've, I've long, I've long loved country music and I, I want the elements of country music love songs in my life. And, and, um, I love Stagecoach. You guys do a beautiful job with Stagecoach. Absolutely. Appreciate it. Shout out to Stacey V for putting together those amazing lineups always. And the last question here is, you know, from all your experiences, what advice would you give to someone looking to pursue a passion of theirs as a career like you did? Stay hungry. Stay at it. I mean, if it was easy, every girl would be on television. You know, I mean, if it's true. If it was easy, everybody would be doing it. And it's not easy, but the ones who have the oomph inside of them, you know, to stick it out, you can do it. Stay hungry and just don't take no for an answer. And even when you get the job, because that's the thing, once you are a journalist and you want the interview, you're going to get a lot of no's, so-and-so's unavailable, but then you have to figure out another way to get the interview, you know? But I would just say, stay stay persistent. And I just encourage everyone who who truly wants to do something that seems bigger than the world they came from, that just to have that confidence that it can actually happen because I, you know, yes, we had a very, you know, wonderful, comfortable life in growing up, but we didn't have any contacts in Hollywood. You know, we didn't have crazy amount of money. We didn't, I didn't grow up going to galas and balls. Like it didn't, it didn't seem like Bianca would grow up to create a nonprofit. Like that doesn't seem like a trajectory from the, you know, where I came from or Bianca would be living in Los Angeles. That didn't seem like a trajectory from growing up in a small town. I mean, mm. and, and you know, Jarvis, we yeah. kind of talked about that. So just because it might not seem on the trajectory that you, you know, the path uh, of, of possibility, given the people, maybe, you know, where you grow up, that doesn't mean that it's still not possible. It's, but I, I think the ones who are able to, and again, we've talked about this, Jarvis, like using the word, like, leave is not, it's not with a negative connotation because I have many wonderful, I have many friends who stayed and have wonderful lives in Payless Park. And that's a beautiful life. My family lives there. My sister lives there. They have, you know, have wonderful careers and lives and everything, families. But for those who do want to leave and and create a different path, a different geographical life, whatever, um, you have to have the confidence that you are worthy of it and that you can do it and just believe that you can because Crazier things have happened, and Jarvis and I are both examples of that. <laughs> yes, yes, man. It's truly amazing hearing your story, Bianca. I just appreciate you giving us a chance here. I look forward to seeing what you do next, and I'm excited to say that, you know, that what you will do next will definitely continue to add that impact and that value to people's lives, just like you've done in the past. I truly do believe that. So, you know, Bianca, I can't thank you enough. And Is there any final words that you want to say to our listeners or just anything in general? I just know I, I truly want to thank you and, and everyone who's followed my my path and my journey. I mean, it's, I feel, I, I've always felt so much love, Jarvis, whether it was in Palm Springs or making the move or now in LA. And I find it fascinating that there's people that, you know, maybe never even met someone and they still support them and are kind to them. And that's amazing. And I, I wouldn't be able to, that, that honestly, truly, that contributes to me having the confidence to do the things that I'm doing. You know, every person who writes a nice message or sends a nice email or who comments nicely on a social media picture, um, all of that is like, really does give me that, I just saw someone say this, so well, it, you know, the wind beneath your wings, right? That is that whole concept um, of, of having that support 
it means more than people probably even realize. So for those who say the nice things and, and watch every night at five, um, I'm just grateful you're, you're choosing to be kind to me and to support me. So thank you. And there you have it. This was a very awesome interview to do. And I'm so glad that we got to switch things up and have Bianca come to the podcast, you know, and, and have her share her story and provide her insight. That's one of the cool things about, you know, being a part of Golden Voice and the shows that we do. We attract so many different people that come to our events and our shows. So it's kind of cool to kind of tap in with the different people that come to our shows and hear their stories as well. And, and not only are we giving y'all the, the creative and artist perspective, but we're giving the fan perspective. And I think that's what made this episode really special and so awesome. And what I I loved about hearing about Bianca's story was just about how she was, you know, untraditional and, and unique in the broadcasting space and how she embraced that. She focused on just finding out what was her things that made her unique in that space and really just honed in on that. And I think that was really dope. And then of course too, just hearing about the humanitarian work that she has done and that she continues to do through her own foundation. I think it's really amazing to, to see that and really just kind of continue to give back. Cause again, that's something that means a lot to us here within Golden Voice. And uh, you know, I think that uh, it's just really awesome to kind of hear her commitment to that area on top of everything else that she's doing in her career. That's just really what it's all about. You know, once you kind of get to where you're trying to go in life is finding ways to kind of give back and continue to support the communities and the people that really helped you out. Truly phenomenal story. And it's just amazing to hear from Bianca. And of course, if you want to tap in with Bianca on social media, you most definitely can do that because she's on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you want to follow her on Instagram, it's simply Bianca Ray on Instagram. Same thing on Twitter. It's just Bianca Ray on Twitter as well. And if you want to follow her on Facebook, that's official Bianca Ray. Once again, that's official Bianca Ray on Facebook, but Instagram and Twitter is just simply Bianca Ray. And then of course, the Bianca Ray Foundation. If you go to that website, which is the Bianca Ray Foundation.org, let me say that again. That is simply Bianca Ray Foundation.org. Uh, and you know, you go there, you can get so much more information about her foundation. And again, you know, it's just hearing her story, hearing everything that she's done. Um, it's truly phenomenal and inspiring. And then of course, you know, uh, you know, we, we went to the same high school together. We grew up in the same in the same area as well, you know. And uh, so it's always kind of cool to see people from the hometown, let alone your own high school, kind of go on and do some dope things as well. So truly phenomenal. So again, I can't say it enough. Thank you so much, Bianca, for coming to the Golden Voice podcast and sharing your story. Now, of course, as I said, I'm going to tap in with you during the outro. And here we are this week at the time of this episode being released, Desert Air is happening in Palm Springs, California. We were just talking about Palm Springs, so it's very fitting that we have Desert Air happening this exact same week. It's going to be an awesome show at the Palm Springs Air Museum. You should go ahead and check that out. It's going to be December 10th and the 11th in Palm Springs, California. So if you just want that last hoorah before the year ends or before the holidays kick in or whatever you're trying to do, go ahead and go to DesertAirFest.com. That's DesertAirFest.com for all that wonderful information right there because it's going to be a great time. And then of course too, I want to say a big happy birthday to us here at Golden Voice, 40 years in the game. You know, we recently, you know, kind of acknowledge and celebrate just very, just a little bit. You know, sometimes we can be shy about celebrating things over here at Golden Voice, but we, you know, we, we gave ourselves a good old pat on the back for 40 years in the game uh, with Golden Voice. And of course, you know, big shout out to Gary Tovar, the OG legend of Golden Voice. Hey, Gary, 
you know, if you're listening to this or somebody who knows Gary, right, we'd love to have for you to come to the podcast. You know, we put some requests out there before, but if you got some time, we definitely got some time for you too, all right? We just announced a very cool show called This Ain't No Picnic on August 27th, 28th. So you need to go ahead and just tap into thisaintnopicnic.com to get all those details about how to join that pre-sale, how to get on board, how to get them tickets for this show. Cause this show is gonna be dope. I mean, the lineup is crazy. And then of course, you can tap in with Golden Voice on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. That is at Golden Voice. Once again, that's simply at Golden Voice. We're on all those platforms so you can get all those latest updates about what we have going on for the month of December, as well as what's happening in 2022. Because you know we got these shows coming. We're, we've been announcing these lineups. So if you want to be part of all the energy and all the excitement that is a Golden Voice show, a Golden Voice concert, a Golden Voice festival, you need to head and go ahead and tap in with us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Golden Voice, or visit goldenvoice.com. Once again, that's goldenvoice.com to get all that information. And of course, it goes without saying a major shout out to the Golden Voice podcast team. That is our executive producers, Amanda and Rhea. That's our marketing team, Lindsay, Kristen, Moppy, Maddie, and Savannah. That is our artwork and creative by Saish and Trevor. That's our press team, Shay and Taji holding it down. And of course, you. Now, next week, next Wednesday, we are going to be sharing the ninth episode of the Golden Voice podcast. And I'm so excited for this one because we have a guest that I never thought would be able to come to the Golden Voice podcast. But I was like, man, if we do this podcast, I got to send over the pitch. I got to put the request in. I don't know if this is going to happen or not, but it happened. We're going to have the creator and host of Dissect Podcast, my favorite podcast of all time, Cole Kushner, come to the Golden Voice podcast for episode number nine, and he is going to go through and break down a lot of the seasons that he's been producing and just everything about Dissect and how it all came to be. It is such an awesome conversation. I cannot wait to share that with you next Wednesday. Cole Kushner, the creator of Dissect Podcasters coming to the Golden Voice Podcast. Podcasters on podcasters. Let's do this, all right? Thank you so much for checking out this week's episode. If you don't know by now, I'm your host, Jarvis Smith. This is the Golden Voice Podcast, and I'm out.